Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Survival Jobs, a podcast in collaboration with Broadway World. My name is Samantha Tutsolo, and this is Jason A. Coombs. Hi, Jason. Hi, Samantha Don Tutsolo. How are you? Happy episode 60. Happy episode 60. Isn't that kind of crazy? That's a big one. That's a lot of episodes. That is a lot of episodes. It's wild. That's a lot of time setting up a mic and setting up a ring light and finding <laughs> It's true. Congrats. It's true. Proud of you. Proud of you. Thank, Thank you. you. So I have to talk to you about, you know, our guest today is mm-hmm. in a movie that's, you know, for your consideration for the Oscars. And we'll talk about her a little bit later in the film she's in, she said. But I've mm-hmm. been really watching a lot of Oscar films lately. And last week I watched The Fablemans. Oh, is that what yeah. it's called or is it called Just Fablemans? I think it's The Fablemans. It is so damn good. And I just have to come in and say, everyone wants, everyone's buzzing about Kate Blanchett winning this Oscar, but I would vote for Michelle Williams. Michelle Williams is so damn good in this film. I had a couple of moments watching it thinking like, would I care about this film if I didn't know it was, you know, essentially Steven Spielberg's life? Because you go into it knowing, oh, this is his life. This is true. This is his story. He directed it. And so that's really interesting to watch this movie knowing that it's his personal experiences. But I think the answer is yes. It's, you know, typical drama, typical family drama. It hit, like, very close to home in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I will say, Michelle Williams, for your consideration. <laughs> yeah, tell Robin to vote for her. No kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't watched that one or Tar yet. I've only seen like The Woman King, which I think is like also our Queen Viola. I think it's like, I a know. front runner. I hope um, she's getting that nomination. I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of of great performances this year. I think it's going to be tough. Mm. And I would recommend if you see Tar, you should see it in the in the theater. I saw it in the theater. Yeah. If I if I streamed it at home, not that it's not great. It's a great film, but it's like quiet it's a quiet film and it's very long that i feel like if i watch it at home i would get distracted i would lose interest easy mm-hmm. but that's just because i have massive add but like i, I feel think that. i think you're similar in that sense kind of do you, do you know who should also get a uh, nomination oj megan for megan did you <laughs> did you love it loved it i was gagging the whole time <laughs> it's great it's really i mean obviously it's not an oscar movie but it was uh, a Never good time with the movies people no. seem to be like posting a lot about it and and loving it 96 percent rotten tomatoes baby it's whoa mm-hmm. wait what else have you been watching so i haven't watched um well um I watched two really good movies this week, which I think kind of relates, both of them kind of relate to our podcast, even though they're not about artists, but um, they're about people who work in an industry, service workers. So one was called The Menu, which is about um, this very fancy restaurant that caters to really rich people. And it's about class. Both of these movies are about class. And uh, 
you know, the wealthy eating themselves basically. And you know how much I love that. Um, <laughs> the ultra wealthy billionaires, the 1% as Bernie Sanders always says. And then I watched the original Glass Onion, which I know the sequel's out right now. Um, sorry, is it no glass? Knives Out. Sorry, Knives Out. I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Knives Out. Well, it's, I think it was called Glass Onion. Um, Knives Out, right? Glass Onions is, is a new one. I haven't watched that one yet, but I heard how good it is. And I didn't see the original, which is Knives Out. You don't know what Knives Out is? I don't. It's like a murder mystery. Oh, it's no so idea. good. So it's a murder mystery. And it has like an all-star cast of like Chris Pine and Jamie Lee Curtis. And who's the guy who plays Bond? The most recent Bond, Daniel Craig. You've never heard of this movie? It's like the Glass Onion is like the biggest movie on Netflix right now. I don't well, know. Because it's a murder Jason, mystery. I've been binging Grey's, <laughs> Grey's Anatomy for the past seven months. Two years. Oh, I yeah. just caught up to season 19. So I haven't had headspace to let anything else in, but now I'm ready. Well, if you love a good murder mystery, Glass, uh, sorry, it's Knives Out is the original, and then Glass Onion is the sequel that just came out on Netflix. But the first one, Knives Out, is also about class because it's about this really wealthy family, and the patriarch of this family dies. And um, he has like a domestic worker who was like his caregiver, who is part of this like family and like the issues they have with her. And, and yeah, it's a really good murder mystery, but they're both about class, and I, I love stuff like that. I love those kind of stories. Isn't rich um what? I'm gonna rich say rich white people, people fucking shit up. <laughs> My favorite so genre. Have, when is the new Succession season coming out? I oh, the menu. Wait. The menu's written by the guy who wrote Succession too. Oh, really? So also, that's why I recommend it. Also, and by the yeah. way, who's the actress in that from the Queen's Gambit? Isn't she in the menu? Yeah, she's phenomenal. She's um, so good. She's so good. She's so great. Uh, what is her name? Anna something. Her name is Anna Taylor Joy. Correct. Yes. Is now this film? Really is this film like an Oscar chatter or no way? Um, I don't think so because I think it came out like earlier this year before like the big Oscar buzz, and I don't, I don't think it's like that kind of movie. But it's also I think it has like a really good Rotten Tomato score as well and a good audience score. It's really well made, and it's I love. I think what's been attracting me to movies recently is like the original stories because everything's like always like Marvel and superhero or like remakes and like to get like a really good original story like this, which I couldn't predict. I'm like, what is going on in this movie? And you're just like on the ride. It's so much fun. Same thing with Megan. I couldn't predict what was going to happen, you know, the whole time, which is like really fun. And it's like an original good story, which we need more of right now. No offense is to superhero me- movies, but you know. Is Megan scary? no. <laughs> just like one funny. scary part it's like funny and it's like it's like a little chilling it's like it's like everything all in one it's like a it's kind of like a spoof in a way and it's, maybe i'll eat an edible and go watch it oh man it, it's you're gonna have fun <laughs> you're gonna have fun wow so speaking of you know oscar buzz movies mm-hmm. our guest today sarah ann massey is in the movie she said which we also watched this weekend mm-hmm now, I kind of felt crazy after watching this film because, you know, obviously I know this scandal Scandal is not even the right thing to say. This whole incident that happened with Harvey Weinstein, I watched it played out in real time. You know, I knew everything that was going on, but to watch it like real life, you know, and to watch these actors portraying these mm-hmm. real women and their experiences really sort of messed with me that this guy did all of these things for so long. It's crazy. 
But, and, and yeah. Sarah will talk about this in the episode, It's the film is so well done. The actors are incredible. The two leads, come on, help me, Zoe and uh, Carrie Mulligan and Zoe Kazan. Is it Zoe or Zoe? Zoe. I think it's Zoe. They are. Forgive me if you're listening. Forgive me as well. I'm like, yeah, if you're listening. Hello? <laughs> Where did you just go? I was trying to mute myself and I pressed stop. Camera first. <laughs> Anyway, the film, it's like very well done and everybody should watch it. Yeah, it's so powerful. And yeah, you're right. Like, I think also Sarah said this in our interview, never going to, of course, play after this. But like, it's different when you when you read about it or like you're watching like news clips about it to see kind of like the backstory of, and how it all unfolded. It, yeah, it's so sad. And I just remember, because I've known Sarah personally for, for some time to know like her experience about it and to see kind of like, I guess she's like the only person, of course, I know who's, you know, was affected by this horrible, horrible, horrible thing that happened, you know, but to see like that, but then see her in the movie as well to come kind of a full circle in a way was also to hear her experience about being in the film and her journey right. in the film also so powerful. And I know we gush, we gush to her the whole time about how amazing she is and thinking really her, is. but she really is, she's, she's a superhero y'all. Um, it's a really good one. It's a very, I think this is one of our best episodes, to be honest. Yeah, she's overcome so much also. And then, like, to keep up, you know, her motivation for her acting and for her creativity and writing. And advocacy. After everything. Yes, and her advocacy, which is unbelievable. Which, you know, we're, like, sort of talking around the edges here. But she'll tell you guys, like, about her experience and why this movie hit, like, really close to home for her. Um, but, yeah, you guys should see it. You can stream it on Peacock. Yeah, or buy it on Amazon. It's on really Amazon, good. it is nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is cheaper than going to the theater because by the time you go to the movies and buy a ticket and get popcorn, you have to buy the popcorn. No, it's so good. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to uh, just want to share uh, Sarah's bio? Yes. And we have to trim this bio down, y'all, because she be working. So go to her website, sarahmassey.com and read the whole thing just to read more about her and her incredible work. But yeah, you take the first part. You got it. Sarah Ann Massey is a hilarious and heartfelt woman on a mission. Not only is she continuing to trend of breaking stereotypes and providing that females are funny, but she does so while drawing attention to the unhealthy social norms and boxes that our society places women in. Sarah is an LA based bisexual and invisibly disabled actor writer, singer, producer, filmmaker, and comedian, who was one of the first people to come forward about Weinstein. Since facing career retaliation due to speaking up about abuse, she launched Hire Survivors Hollywood, an initiative that works to end retaliation against survivors of sexual violence within the entertainment industry. Sarah's currently playing Pulitzer Prize-winning New York Times journalist Emily Steele in, in Universal Pictures, She Said. She Said stars Carrie Mulligan and Zoe Kazan is directed by Emmy winner Maria Schrader. Sarah has recently been honored with an AFI award for being part of the creative ensemble, She Said, winning Movie of the Year for their contribution to America's cultural legacy that's bomb and incredible and we'll probably throw some pictures in this because she was on that red carpet looking fabulous and killing it so yeah killing it all right you guys enjoy this episode yay sarah awesome welcome sarah so happy to reconnect with you my good friend 
and former we performed together in the past back in oh, yeah. Denver, but <laughs> i'm so happy to have you on survival jobs i'm so proud of you and to see your success you know the past couple of years has been amazing and to know how hard you work and to see it paying off is like kudos i love when good people win so thank congratulations. you i'm so excited to be here i love this podcast i love you and i'm so thank glad you. to get to talk with you both today Oh my goodness. And see, I'm sorry. I stayed on mute for as long <laughs> as I could, but it's just never fails the sirens in the city. So sorry to everyone. We could clap um, that. Authentic. It's authentic. You no, know you're really in New York. Yeah, exactly. exactly. That's <laughs> why I'm like, you know what, guys? We're here and we're doing the thing. Um, but yeah, I know. I was saying before, I'm so jealous you guys have known each other for so long, but I'm so excited to get to talk to you as well. And by the way, congratulations on She Said. What an amazing uh, project to be a part of. And we'll definitely talk about that a little bit later in the show. But to kick it off, let's talk about survival jobs. Um <laughs> Uh, yeah, our favorite topic. Do you have um, a favorite survival job from your past? Ooh, I think probably my most unique survival job is that I was a party princess, um, a professional oh party princess. Yeah, I used to dress up as every princess you can imagine. From the Disney lexicon, I would be a pop diva sometimes. I'd be a fairy. <laughs> and I would do face painting, magic, balloon animals, sing-along, story time, dance parties, like every and only half of those I actually knew how to do before I got this job. So <laughs> it's like winging it. <laughs> yeah, I had to learn how to face paint and do close-up magic and make balloon animals. And it was fascinating. But I loved it because I have, amongst many other things, a background in improv. And so this was like the best improv, like proof of my improv training I've ever had because kids have tough questions. You know, Correct. they're like, I remember when I think I was my sixth birthday party, I grew up, we didn't have a lot of money or anything, but for my sixth birthday party, my family somehow arranged for Belle to come to my birthday. Oh, and so I was like, floored. I like, I loved Belle. Beauty and the Beast was just my favorite. And I was convinced it was really her. She was so wonderful and so magical. And there was a rose bush outside my parents' house that had stopped blooming. It wasn't the time of year that it should bloom. And after Belle came to our house, my party, a, a single rose bloomed. And I so just I got was body chills. Right? And I just, for my whole life, I was just like, this was the most magical moment of my life. So then to be able to give that to children once I was an adult and like hopefully be that person for them was really magical. But sometimes they would say, you don't look like your movie. You look a little different from your movie. Why do you look different? And I would say, well, you know, that's a cartoon. Disney came to me and told me they thought that the story of my life was so interesting that they wanted to make a movie about it. And so all these really talented artists drew pictures my whole life. So that's why it looks a little different. And they would just, like, it made sense. Like, they they wanted- that's so smart. You <laughs> want to believe, but if there's a yeah. little question of doubt, you just need someone to kind of, quiet that doubt and let you have that magic. So I loved doing that so much. It was really fulfilling. And I had worked with kids prior to that. I did children's theater. I was a nanny for 10 years. So this kind of brought a lot of my different diverse talents and skills together. And, and it was such a wonderful thing. I literally just believed it as well. I was like, oh my God, they drew her life in cartoon. <laughs> like a great response. 
Yeah. And I, it's so funny. Like I haven't talked about this much until recently. I was at an event on Friday. I got to go to the AFI awards. Yes. And was incredible because she said, as you mentioned, we won one of the slots for film of the year. And it was like a magical experience. I can talk about it more later, but I got to meet Daniel Kaluuya, who I am. Oh and my God. A huge fan of his. Like I told him, I think about Judas and the Black Messiah like at least once a week. Like it was just <laughs> so incredible as an actor. And we started talking. He talked about how he had done improv and improv in front of kids. And I mentioned that I was a party princess in a former life. And he just looked at me and went, Yeah, that makes the most sense. Like, <laughs> <laughs> in his accent? Oh my God. Yeah. So I'm going to try to imitate his amazingly beautiful accent. But he, it was so much fun. It was just, and I think that's the thing that we can all relate to as performers and artists is like, we always find ways to pull on that creative spirit and bring it to whatever our survival job is. And that was just such a, such a special one. Wait, can I just sidetrack and say, we're going to manifest you and Daniel Kluyo working together. Can we just all like put that in yeah. the air right now? Yeah. <laughs> I love that story so much. That is such a good story. And then, and then we'll also manifest him playing you in your life story, Jason. Didn't you say that on this podcast once? Probably, but you did. Actually, I don't know why I just asked that as a question. I know you did. So. <laughs> yeah. all he, he can do anything. Maybe we'll work life. together on your life story. Maybe there that's. we go. There we go. I'm there that important. You go. <laughs> I can tell you. Maybe. Yes. Oh my god, it's the story about survival jobs yes. and how it yes. got created that's through right. the years. That's exactly. we'll play I'm ourselves. Shocked. We'll play ourselves because we'll be old and. <laughs> oh, wait, that doesn't make any sense. I just got very confused. Forget it. It could be like a like a sliding doors thing or like a multiverse thing. So like you guys can play yourselves, yes. but then also Daniel Kaluuya and I can play you. And what I was going to say is we could play ourselves life. in real age and you guys could play the younger versions of us, but we're all going to grow old. So that made absolutely no sense. <laughs> but that's my brain today. You were trying to yes and. You are trying to yes and it. Thank <laughs> you, Jason. Thank you for the support, you guys. <laughs> all right, Sarah, let's flip it and reverse it like Missy always says. Can you yeah. share like the worst survival job story? Well... I think that my worst survival job story is actually probably one of the most infamous survival job stories that's out there, which is I interviewed to be Harvey Weinstein's nanny and he assaulted me at the job yeah. interview. <sighs> so I'm pretty sure no job or job interview before or after could be worse than that. So that's probably my, it's probably my low, but I love nannying. I just didn't yeah. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. Sorry Yikes. to bring you down, but that's <laughs> no, 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 that's I mean, real, and also it's important. And also, we'll talk about that later about yeah. a lot of the work you did. But that's so important. So, and thank you for speaking out about that. Mm -hmm. I know we're going to talk about she said later, but I watched this film and I was so sick because mm -hmm. you know you know all of the stories and I read all of it and watched it in real time. But to watch it play out, mm -hmm. I was like what i was like crying and i was like this is not okay yeah but yeah that's definitely a a worst survival job so i'm yeah. so sorry that that happened yeah. thanks yeah i mean look i've been mostly very lucky i have had you know i i think my first job was as a babysitter when i was a teenager and then i worked for my dad for a little while i was like an executive assistant at his office 
And uh, it was then that it cemented in my head that I never wanted to work in an office. <laughs> there was absolutely nothing wrong with his company. Like no nine to five. <laughs> but it was not for me. I was not a fan. And then I nannied for a long time. And, you know, I've had some interesting jobs. I've worked for some very wealthy people. And that's a whole other kind of like mindset you have to get into because it's kind of this weird thing where like you're part of the family, but then it can turn on a dime where you're like suddenly the help and it's a little bit of whiplash. And that was odd to get used to, but I like flew on a private jet and I worked in man. It was just weird. It was like, Oh, this is, these are real people who have this lifestyle that I've never seen before. And it's really interesting, but ultimately the job is the job. You're just there to help take care of the kids, make sure they're safe, make sure they're, you know, learning and fulfilled and stepping in for the parents when they can't be there. And I love that. I love being around families. I love being around kids. And so, yeah, when I went in to interview with Harvey, I just, I didn't have any kind of expectations that anything might go wrong or that I might be harmed. I, you know, it's really common to go to people's houses when you're interviewing to be a nanny. Typically the kids are there. So I assume that's what I was walking into. And I even had like a month of pre-interviews ahead of meeting him with his assistants. And we had long conversations and they took me out to breakfast and all this stuff. And so it felt very serious. It felt very, you know, professional. And then it just wasn't. So yeah, I, I wanted I wanted to share my story for a long time. And I didn't because I was terrified. I was afraid of what would happen to me. I was afraid of what would happen to my career. And um, when I did share it, I, I did it because I thought it had something to add. You know, there I was an actress, of course, like many of the other actresses who'd come forward, but this had happened in the context of being domestic help. And I think that domestic workers are often abused and mistreated and don't necessarily get the chance to talk about it or get the spotlight. So I felt like maybe me sharing my story could help other people feel less alone and feel more seen and feel comfortable sharing in whatever way they felt comfortable with. So it's been hard the past five years for sure, but I'm, I am glad I told that story because I think it's an important story to tell. It definitely is so important. And, you know, thank you as a person existing in this world, as a woman existing in this world, thank you for doing that because your voice is so important and, and that whole movement and it's made a difference for it to not happen hopefully, you know, going forward. Um, so how did that feel then once you had this experience happen to you to be in this film by while being so personally connected to the story and, and what was the audition process like and how did that all go for you? So for me, being in the film was an entirely positive experience. I think I... I had lost a lot of time in my career because of what happened. I, you know, had just moved to New York at the time and I was, I had started my own theater company and I was really young. Like I didn't go to college. I went directly to professional acting school and I was like the youngest person they had let into this particular program. And I had a real head start and I knew exactly what I wanted to do. So when I moved to New York, I wanted to start pursuing film and television. I came from a theater background and I wanted to do it all. And after what happened with Harvey, I massively pulled back. Like I stopped looking for an agent. I stopped really going on auditions. I kept making art. I kept doing theater with the people that I knew and trusted with my theater company. 
but I lost a lot of time. Um, and then I started getting some of that momentum back when I met the person who had become my husband. Him and I started writing comedy together and that really took off. We have this comedy duo called Beer Tomasi and we got like millions of views online and we're performing in New York and LA and going all over the world and it was great. And so I was like, okay, finally, I'm back on track. We moved to LA and we signed with a small agency and I was like brand new to the market. Nobody knew who I was. And I was getting like a half a dozen auditions a month, which is you know pretty good, right? Amazing. Yeah. I was yes. super happy. I was like, good. I'm back. You know, I might have lost some time, but I'm back on course and this feels right. And by this point, I was also writing and like taking meetings for scripts and all of this stuff. And then I came forward because I felt like I was safe to do so. And like I said, I wanted to share this story to help other people. And it became very apparent very quickly that the things I was afraid of happening, like the career harm, hadn't just gone away because Harvey was called out by so many people and because he had lost his job. So I started getting backlash and I stopped getting auditions and everything kind of froze for me. Um, like I said, I'd been getting like maybe a half a dozen auditions a month. I've had maybe a little over half a dozen auditions in the past five years. Um, I've had multiple different reps. I, wow. I, I'm more well-known now. I, I made this short film that did really well. Jason, you have seen it. You programmed it at an event. Um, and it stars Toby Sebastian, who was like on Game of Thrones. And he's Florence Pugh's older brother. And like, it was, I had all this momentum. And it just stopped. And so I started talking about it. Because I, I guess I'm kind of of the mindset of like, well, I'm already screwed. I might as well just keep going. <laughs> so I talked yeah. about was happening to me and it turned out that this was happening to a lot of other people either this direct or indirect retaliation people suddenly got dropped from pilots um lost their agents were not getting auditions anymore and this ranged from people like me who were lesser well-known people who were even just starting out to people who have won major awards and are in your favorite movies so i couldn't just sit there and let it happen and i i kept talking about it online and I talked about it in groups of other survivors and I went to pre-existing organizations. And I said, hey, I have ideas about how to address this, how we can sort of uplift these survivors and make sure they're still getting job opportunities and that they're not facing all this economic damage. And, you know, I spent like a year pitching it to people and they all thought it was a good idea, but they didn't have the money or the manpower and went, but you should do it by yourself. <laughs> so I did. And I didn't have money or manpower. I launched this, mm. what started out as an initiative called Hair Survivors Hollywood. And we have been working to educate people about the fact that retaliation still happens to elevate like talent that are survivors who are still trying to do good work. And we've teamed up with a lot of different filmmakers and we have gotten people interviews and auditions and jobs both in front of and behind the camera. And it's been really great. And we, I authored a 20 page toolkit for the industry. It's completely free. It's on our website. It's also part of the reframe resource. And it's just step-by-step step from development through release, how to be inclusive of survivors. And my favorite thing about it is that it creates safety and equity for everybody. It's not just beneficial to the survivor community. It's beneficial to everybody. And the survivor community is made up of a lot of multiply marginalized people. So this is like a bigger issue. And I think it ties directly into all the conversations about representation and equity and safety within the entertainment industry. And so I was doing all this work and, you know, I'm, I'm lucky enough that I create my, create my own work and I also have friends who are in the industry. So I've been able to continue to be creative, but I'm just not getting work that can pay the bills and I'm not getting work that can, you know, elevate my career. So I, I just kept plugging along and I had obviously read the reporting at the New York Times from Jody and Megan. I had read their book, which I thought was brilliant. 
And then I saw that the book had been optioned and they made this casting announcement that Zoe Kazan and Carrie Mulligan were going to play these characters. And I was really excited. I thought, oh my gosh, it's perfect casting. They're amazing actresses. But I also had this voice in the back of my head going, hmm, are they going to do the thing, the right thing, and be inclusive of Weinstein survivors in this process? And I don't know, maybe they're already doing it, but we have no way of knowing until it's kind of too late. So the day that that announcement came out, I called the universal switchboard and I just, I opened up IMDb. You're so bold. Yes. I, well, the thing is, so like I didn't do it. Well, okay. So I called and I just kept giving executives names until somebody had like a, you know, a voicemail to go to. And I left a voicemail and there was an email address listed on this voicemail. So I sent an email and I didn't pitch myself as an actor. Like that was not my intention. I just went, hey, I'm a Weinstein survivor. I work in the industry. I run this organization. Here's what we do. I think this would be a really great opportunity for you, Universal. Um, and I think it would be really positive and I'd love to talk. And within an hour, someone got back to me. And I couldn't believe it. I sort of thought, oh, I, I have to do it, but I'm sure it won't go anywhere. And a couple of weeks later, I had a meeting with like their, their version of their equity and inclusion department. I gave them a rundown of what we do and I gave them some ideas of how I thought that, you know, the work we're doing could be integrated into this film in particular, but then also into Universal in general. And I felt good about it. And I thought, even if nothing happens, which is what I expect, at least they've heard me. At least this idea has been planted in their head. And that's a great step. And then I got me a couple of weeks after that saying I had an audition. And let me remind you, I was not getting auditions. So I was like, well, it's a miracle. And wow, yeah. uh, it was for Untitled Maria Schrader Project. And I instantly knew it was she said, because I knew Maria Schrader was directing it. I love her as a director. She did Unorthodox. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's brilliant. And I had like 24 hours to turn around this self-tape. And they didn't, it had a code name. Like it was very secretive. I didn't actually get scenes from the script. They're what they call dummy sides. So all I knew yeah, was yeah, yeah. like this enthusiastic, young, hopeful journalist. And I was like, oh, that's perfect. I can do that. <laughs> and the scene was great. My, easy I, button. <laughs> easy, easy. Um, my, I'm lucky that my husband is an actor, so he's always my reader for my auditions. And that's so perfect. <laughs> really lucky. I feel very blessed and like kind of crossed my fingers, sent it off to my manager. And then a few days later, I was told like, Hey, um, cause I was supposed to be going to New York to work on a musical. So I told them in my self tape, I'm planning to be in New York in August and that's perfect timing for this filming. And so my manager was like checking my dates and all day I kind of thought I was being pinned. Like it was down to me and a few other people. And even that was like huge. And so I called my manager at a certain point. I said, so do you know when we're going to know who it's down to? Like who's going to, and they said, oh no, it's you. They want you. They're just trying to figure out the logistics. I was like, what? Oh my God. Wow. <laughs> so I just like jumped around my apartment and screamed and, oh you know, my gosh. I was so happy and it was just a dream come true. And the best part for me was knowing that if they had auditioned me, I was certain they had auditioned other Weinstein survivors. So I was just mm. waiting to find out like who had gotten to audition. Did anyone else get cast? And yeah. my, you know, we had to, ironically, we had to sign an NDA. NDAs are a big part of silencing survivors. But for this, it's, it's not that. It's just like, hey, don't talk about the project until it's done. Don't share pictures from behind the scenes. You know, very standard. But because we signed an NDA and because I'm a big rule follower, I was like, well, who can I tell? I don't, can I even tell my friends? Like what? And I was talking yeah. to my friends, uh, Catherine Kendall, who's also a Weinstein survivor. And 
I was kind of tiptoeing around. I was like, you know what? I am going to New York to film something. <laughs> I went, oh, that's funny. I'm also going to New York to film something. And we sort of pieced together yes and it was at that point that i knew for sure that they had auditioned other survivors and subsequently like you know i i was emailing with dd gardner who's the producer and we talked on set and they had been consulting with survivors who were depicted in the film during the script writing process and like we had access to a therapist that we could call at any time if we felt triggered and they're really doing things right things that i describe in this toolkit things that we're trying to get other filmmakers to do so from the you know sort of advocacy point of view, I was thrilled with how things are going. But as an actor, I got to walk. I, I filmed in the New York Times building. I get to walk into the New York Times building wow. and have Maria Schrader just like greet me with this massive amount of enthusiasm and just go, "You're an amazing actress. I'm so glad you're in my film. Let me show you your shot." And it was just beautiful. And the entire, I, I all my scenes were with Zoe Kazan, and she was just such a generous scene partner. And I was so happy, like the happiest I ever am is when I'm on set and to get to help tell Max. a story so important to my real life and so important to, you know, the culture that we're moving through and the changes that we're trying to make. It was such a, it was such a healing moment and it felt like poetic justice and it felt just very full circle. So I've been thrilled. It's been such a wonderful experience for me. Wow. wow. You're amazing, number one. I have so much to say. Superhero. We don't have we don't have you know that long to talk to you, but the organization you've created. Thank you for so much because you're giving women and other people a voice and saying like, hey, it's okay. I can speak up and say this is wrong and still have the opportunity to work. I'm not gonna be blacklisted because I'm speaking up for what right. I for with a voice. Wow. Yeah. Congrats on Thank all you. of it. I mean, that's the goal, right? It's not, like, it's not like saying, oh, give me a job because I'm a survivor. It's saying, just don't close the door in my face because I'm a survivor. Give me the opportunity to work. Just like because everybody I'm a survivor and spoke up about it because mm -hmm. I want things to be correct. I should not be, it should not be held against me. Exactly. Exactly. And I think you're a superhero for taking your taking your career back into your own hands, right? I think that's something that we see a lot when we interview people. And you're also like a definition of that. Like you're not just sitting around. You're like, hey, I'm also a writer. I'm also, I'm going to do this, this, and this. I'm going to start this organization. I'm going to make change. I'm going to make these calls. Like that's <laughs> powerful. That's important. And you should like get all the kudos for that. So I'm giving you a massive, people not watching the video, I'm doing <laughs> That is wow. something we've talked about a lot too. Like all you have to do is ask. You saw this come out. You were like, I want to be involved in this in some capacity. And you were like, you asked. Yeah. Obviously you booked it because of your talent, right? But you got in the door. Yeah. I have to say, I mean, I I was concerned that some people might go, oh, they're just getting these parts because they're survivors. No person is going to throw away a role on somebody who's not good enough when there's a $30 million budget behind it. You know what I mean? Like, I am not trying to like to my own horn, but I'm, I'm good at what I do. I've worked a long time. I know I'm a good actor. And horn, girl. Yeah. Is brilliant and beautiful in the film. She plays the former Miramax executive. She has that one really great scene. And, um, you know, there's so many talented people out there. And I, I, I decided to really focus on survivors because I feel like it's a community I can speak to and speak for and, and like commune with and really help. But I, I'm from, you know, I'm also disabled. I'm also queer. 
I have a lot of friends who are from other types of historically marginalized backgrounds. And this is, I feel like this is something we all have to do in our own way. And it's, it's really collaborative. Like I have found that a lot of other pre-existing organizations, instead of being com competitive, they're really collaborative. And I have partnerships now with women in film and the Hollywood commission and reframe and all these great and storyline partners who helps to make sure that underrepresented stories are being told authentically. And it's, there's so much work to do, but there's such a huge community of people who care that I really think we can change it. And what's been fascinating to me is like, I talked to some pretty fancy people the other day about this work and all of them were really interested in it. Like really thought, oh, this is a good idea and something we should talk about and something that needs to happen. So I'm hopeful. I think that this work is important. And I think it's also something that just makes sense once people understand what's going on. I love that. So you were recently were saying that you were at the AFI Awards and mm -hmm. your film, she said, was chosen as one of the one of the movies of the years. Yep. Can you share why you think? I mean, it's probably pretty obvious, but why do you think audiences and critics are like resonating with this story at this time? Yeah, I think it's. Um, I think it's just like everything else aside. I think it's a really excellent film. I think it's really well paced and directed and written and kudos. And it, you know, it, it feels like a thriller at times. And <clears throat> I think it, it's really beautiful to watch and really gripping. And so good films are good films, like no matter what the subject matter right. is. But I think that people talk about like, oh, stories of abuse don't get told enough. I think that's true in a sense, but I do think we're used to seeing stories about sexual violence and violence in general in our culture and in our society and in our industry. But what happens most of the time is that that violence is like sensationalized or exploited. And this film does not do that. Like you don't see the sexual violence happen on screen. Harvey is like, you never see his face. It's really about the journalists who are trying to tell the story. Yes. But also the women who had to grapple with whether to go on the record or not and talking right. about their fears and talking about what they've already lost. And like actually hearing that I think is really powerful. Those are the voices that don't get heard enough when these stories are told and reportage is important and great and books are really impactful, but there is something I think about visual storytelling that hits people in a different way. It knocks people's walls down <clears throat> and people can understand things. It becomes like an empathy machine. So I think that's the thing about this film. Like, yes, Rebecca Lankwitz wrote this incredible script developed from this book by Jody and Megan. Maria Schrader did this beautiful directing and Natasha Breyer was this incredible DP and all of the performances are beautiful. But at the core, it's a story about what it is to be a survivor and what it costs to tell the truth. And I think that's really powerful. To tell the truth, exactly. Wow. So everyone listening, if you have not seen this film yet, run and see it immediately. Yeah, you can see it. You can watch it on Peacock. You can rent on it. Peacock, right? Mm -hmm. It's playing at a few small theaters, I think. So there's a million ways to see it. And I'd really, I'd really encourage folks. I, I and for survivors out there, you might be triggered by stuff in it. You know, it is heavy at times, but I think it's a lot safer of a watch than a lot of other films and sort of this kind of that plays with the subject matter and just take care of yourself, you know, take pauses if you need to take care yeah. of yourself. I think it's really worth a watch for sure. It really, really is. Well, thank you for sharing all of that and, and being so open with your own journey and, and talking about your process and telling us about the film. That was amazing. Um, but I do want to talk a little bit more about you and how, you know, your own personal journey in the arts 
came to be. And so you talked a little bit about this, but I want to elaborate. So you've written and produced and directed tons of sketches, short films. Um, so how did you transition from auditioning to creating your own work? Aside from, you know, not getting the auditions because you spoke up. Yeah. Um, uh, was there another another part that mm -hmm. came to make you want to do that? And what was the most challenging part of starting to create your own work? Yeah. Oh, look, now I've got sirens in L.A. Um, <laughs> sirens I, everywhere. I, you know, I, I always was creative. I started out dancing as a little girl and then singing and then doing theater. And at each step, like, I was afraid to do improv when it first started. Um, I was doing the Williamstown Theater Festival I was there as an apprentice and I ended up doing like eight shows in 10 weeks or something wild. And I got to work with Roger Rees and be on the main stage. And it was amazing. But we had improv classes and I was terrified. And my teacher at the time, Ryan Carls, who's this brilliant actor and comedian himself, um, said to me, you're really good at this. Just don't worry about trying to be funny. Just let yourself be creative, be the creative person you are. <clears throat> and so that opened that door for me. And then when I met Nick, my now husband, he was an actor like me, but he also wrote. And I was like, I had it in my head that I wasn't a writer. I'd written a couple of things. Like I'd written a monologue, I'd written an article, but I just, I had boyfriends in the past who were like, oh, you're not a writer. Just stick to your own line. Like all that crap, you know? Um, so it started with us just kind of verbally developing characters. And I felt like I was really confident that I knew how to find a character and find their unique voice. Um, but I had this idea that like, oh, I don't understand structure. And once we started writing together, I started building more confidence and I started kind of writing by myself and I was really fast and like really efficient and it was really exciting to me. And I realized I absolutely understand structure. I've been analyzing text for my entire career as an actor. I trained at the Atlantic Theater Company and it's so heavily focused on text analysis. And I just inherently understood the structure of storytelling. And so it was, again, that fear of like, oh, what if I'm not good at this? Once that was silenced by either having somebody tell me, hey, just do it. You can do it. Or by my own experience of going, oh, I enjoy this. This is another avenue for me to be creative. Then suddenly all of those blocks and all those fears fell away. And I don't know what it is, maybe because I didn't aim to be a writer first. I don't deal with things like knock wood, like writer's block. I write when I feel compelled to yeah. write, write really fast. And sometimes I won't write for a couple of months because I'm doing other things, but that's fine. I'll come back to it and I'll bang out another new script. And I love that. I love not having the pressure. If somebody gives me a deadline, I'll write to that deadline. No problem. But if I'm yeah. just for myself, like I'm going to do it when I feel compelled to do it. And so it's been really powerful. But honestly, like even when I was getting auditions and stuff, I wanted to write because I wanted to create my own work. I don't like right. empowerment that comes with being an actor where you're constantly waiting for people to give you an opportunity. So being able to create my own opportunities to tell stories that I cared about or play with characters that I maybe wouldn't normally get cast as, like that was really empowering to me. And then I could, you know, I could provide opportunities for other people to be creative and collaborate with other filmmakers. And like, I love the collaboration of this work that we do. That's my favorite part. So getting to be the end behind that collaboration is something that's really fun for me. Isn't that, you know, why we do this? Like the pressure is off. We do it because it, fulfills us in in a lot of different ways so when there's no stress no pressure mm -hmm. that's ultimately why we all choose this yeah because once you, you have the stress and pressure and judgment and and you know 
the noise, like you were saying, of other people saying, well, you're not a writer and you're not this and you're not that stick in your lane. Like all of that really can mentally weigh you down. So when that's released and you're just an artist and you can create and just not give a F pretty much about the noise, that's what it is. I love it. And I, you know, I was talking about this the other day at the AFI Awards because it's the one award show where there's no competition. Like the the honorees are announced ahead of time. There's no envelopes. There's no mm. waiting. And so there's just 250 people who are peers and who are celebrating each other's work for that past year. And it's such a relaxed environment. I think that's why it's kind of like a hot ticket. Like people really want to go because it's just fun. It's just like, oh, I'm in my little community of weird artists. And we're like, you know, patting each other on the back and fanning out over their their talent. And it was such a lovely environment to me. And it reminded me of like, being in the theater community in New York, it reminded me of all those things in my past, except it's like, you know, there's Steven Spielberg and there's James Cameron and there's Daniel Kaluuya. (laughs) 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 We're all the same. We're all just a bunch of weird artists who want to tell our stories. And it's nice to have that realization and to be welcomed into that space. And like, you know, I've got, I I got an award, like I've got my AFI award now, like I got my name on it and it's a wild thing. Like to, the past five years have been such a roller coaster. And so it feels like that's a real moment of celebration. And I have some other really exciting things coming up. And I just, I'm hopeful. You know, it's nice to feel hopeful and, and enthusiastic about all of this. And I, I'm so happy you're taking that in. I'm, I'm seeing the joy and it's like radiating off of you. And I know how hard it's been. You know, yeah. we've had conversations together, you know, at the 3 a.m. Like, okay. what's going on? So to see this, this makes me so happy. And like, I'm so freaking proud of you. I can't say that enough. Well, you've always believed in me. And like I said, you know, you programmed Tristan and Kelly. Um, so good. <laughs> thank you. And it's, it's actually very meaningful to me because my, my grandma passed a couple of years ago, but she got to come to that screening of the film and like see my film up on a, a big screen. And it was just very special. So I love that. And um, where can you know, people watch it? So I haven't actually released it yet. Um, you okay, can see okay. Trailer at tristanandkelly.com. I'm working on. We had a we have a rights issue with one of the songs, so I had the rights for the festival run, but now I'm having to negotiate um, using the same song for just releasing it, and I don't think we're going to be able to afford it. So we're working on the edit to edit in a different song for this one part of the film, but we're planning on on getting it released. I'm talking to some people about whether we're just going to self-release or try to put it up on a streamer or like go the online yeah. group. We're trying to figure it out. But once it's out, I'll let you know, and we can sing it from the rooftops. Yes, pro- we will blast it hat. all over. <laughs> yes, right. Um, yeah. Sure. And then hopefully we that. talk all the time about hoping to get to work together, and I'm hoping to be in New York somewhat soon because I, th- I think you know this Jason but I've been workshopping a musical for the past couple of years um, which is really thrilling I mean I come from a musical theater background and there's this uh, friend of mine named Louisette Geis who is a very talented actor and writer herself and she developed this musical called The Right Girl um, and it started with her she brought in groups of survivors all different survivors of all sorts of different people And we had these kind of listening sessions where we talked about our experience and talked about our story because she was trying to develop this show. And she made all of us story contributors, which is really great. Um, I mean, she totally ascribes to that hiring survivors mindset. And so we'll all get a portion of the profit share when it when it opens and everything, which is great. But at the time, you know, I said, I don't know if you know this about me, but I, I came up doing musical theater. And if there's ever a chance 
to audition or to do one of the workshops or anything, please let me know. And she said, okay, I'll, you know, I'll tell the other producers, Howard Kagan is uh, the other producer on it. And he produced like Pippin and, you know, he's amazing. Great. And um, right as the New York trial for Weinstein was starting, they were doing just like a read through in New York and they invited me to come and read some of the uh, sort of survivor monologues that existed in it. And it was great, really talented people in the room. And we got to hear some, you know, demo recordings of the songs. All the music is by Diane Warren, by the way. So it's like incredible. That's amazing. Yeah. Wait, and so like, Diane Warren, because you love me, Diane Warren. Yes. Like, you don't want to miss a thing, Diane Warren. Oh <laughs> she is I've gotten to meet her several times. She's incredible. Oh um, my gosh, that yeah. gave me chills. Sarah, that's a, <laughs> like, like, don't sleep on Sarah, guys. Hello? I'm just lucky to know some great people and also be pretty, you know, it, that's the thing. It's asking again, right? Like, I was in that environment where I didn't know if Louisette knew that I was a singer and did musical theater, but I thought I should let her know because this is something I'd like to do. So just ask, and it might be a no, but that's okay. Like, at least you've asked. And right. so, I got and the a confidence also. Sorry to interrupt you, but no, you're very you're a very confident person. And I, this is the first time I'm ever speaking to you. But that it's, is it's, say that. it's so important to mm. to to trust in yourself and believe yeah. in yourself and have confidence in yourself because if you don't then the other person's not. Yeah, that's very true. I think you know, I think when I think of confident, I think of something other than what I am because I'm I'm like pretty socially awkward and I'm neurodivergent and I'm like weird and I, I don't feel particularly confident. But I do think what I have confidence in is the fact that I know what it what it is I want to do with my life. And I know you only get one shot. So I'm pretty good at taking the opportunities that present themselves to me when they come up. Mm -hmm. I don't want to, I don't want to have regret. I don't want to feel, I'd rather feel like, oh gosh, was I awkward? Was that weird? Then go, oh, I should have said something, you know? So I, I do think that's probably something that's helped me in all of this. But I got a call from Howard after that first reading and he said, hey, Louis, that tells me you're a singer. Like, do you have a, do you have a demo or anything? And I sent him my demo and then they were doing a, a proper workshop in LA right before COVID shutdown happened. And he said, Hey, do you want to be a part of this? And I got to like sing with all these Broadway legends and do this thing. And they liked me and I'm attached and we're aiming for Broadway, maybe even this year. So let's go. Fingers crossed. That's yeah. my next goal. Look, first stop Broadway world. Next stop. Yes. Broadway. Exactly. <laughs> That's all. You got to take the steps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sarah, we're closing on to our last question before we play a really, really fun game. And I think it's kind of in line with what we're talking about. Do you have a dream role or collaboration that you're like, <sighs> I know we talked about Daniel Kaluuya a little bit and, you know, we've been talking about the upcoming projects, but something like in the future that you really, really want to, a person you really want to work with or like a role you've got to play or something you want to write for yourself? I'm dying to play like a bisexual mermaid or pirate on Our Flag Means Death. Like absolutely dying to do it. I love that show so much. Uh, I love like everything Taika Waititi touches is gold. I met a lot of the cast of um, Reservation Dogs the other day. Like mm -hmm. just everything is so good. I would I would die to be on that show. So that's my like sort of vision board. But I, you know, I want to be on Bridgerton. I want to do Marvel. I want to like, yeah. I want to do it all. You know, I look like an elf. Put me in Lord of the Rings. I look like I'm from <laughs> time. Put me in a period piece. I can kick ass. Put me in a superhero movie. Like, I just want to do it all. And you can. 
And you will. And you will. Yes. Fine, yes. Fine. And then we'll say we had our first. That's great. Right. <laughs> here. Yeah. Oh my god. And then you're gonna come back with your plaid on. It will be all plaid matching. Yes. And... yes. <laughs> I do it. You should text me. I would have put it on. <laughs> yeah. This is it. We no. we both didn't come on camera until you did. So we didn't even know. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. This was such a joy. I'm so, so thankful to know you. Yes. And and like I said, I'm so proud of you. Oh, so keep you. it up. Oh man. Yeah, you're amazing. And thank you for not only your talent, but all the important work you're doing. And I think it's equally as important to do work to change the industry as it is to like book a movie. <laughs> so, yeah. so thank you as a fellow woman, artist, activist. Thank you for everything. Oh, and thank you for coming on. Of course. I'm deeply inspired by all of the many, many, many activists and advocates who came before me, mostly women of color. And I'm just hoping I can do my part while I'm here to make things better. Well, it Thanks. seems like to me like you are. So keep it going. <laughs> keep it going. Cool. So our little fun game before we end is mm -hmm. since you have a back a broad background in comedy, we want to play a little trivia game highlighting female identifying yeah. comedic actors. So it's just a little quick oh, trivia. Okay. <laughs> it's like five questions. Okay. And no pressure. Zero no. stakes, you know. <laughs> but also all of the stakes. All, all of the stakes. stakes. <laughs> okay, okay. Sure. And if you need us to cheat and mouth you the answer, sometimes we do. <laughs> depending on our mood, depending on the mood. A little <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> Let's hope my okay. word skills are good today. All right. Perfect. <laughs> okay. The first one is true or false. True or false. Leah Delaria of Orange is the New Black fame has released five jazz albums in her career. Oh, I'm pretty sure that's true. Correct. Yes. Yes, facts. I didn't know that until I read that. I was like, wait, what? Five? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay. Another true or false. America Ferreira won an Emmy, SAG Award, and Golden Globe for playing Betty Suarez in the iconic ABC comedy, Ugly Betty. I want it to be true because she deserves it. So I'm going to say true. Yes. Yeah. True. Correct. <laughs> two for two. Two for two. <laughs> this is not a true or false or multiple choice, so let's see. Okay. This SNL alum made her Broadway debut in the play POTUS in 2022. Wow, that rhymed. Oh, wait. Just in it. This is terrible. Okay. I know Susan Stroman directed it. The name starts with an R. Rachel Draft? Yes. Correct. Yes, correct. Thank you, thank you for the assist. <laughs> My husband and I couldn't remember anyone who was in the cast. Just <laughs> okay, uh, before last one before the bonus, which obviously okay. you don't need. But this funny woman played the iconic comedian Mom's Mabley on The Marvelous Mrs. Maple. This is multiple choice. So it's A. Sherry Shepard, B. Wanda Sykes, oh, C. Wanda. Leslie Jones, or D. Maya Rudolph. It's Wanda Sykes. I was like replaying the scene in my head at the Apollo. <laughs> like, was it, was it? Yeah, it's Wanda Sykes. Oh my gosh, four for four. By the way, four for four. <laughs> hey, with a little assistance for me, don't discredit me. Just kidding. No, you, they were essential in getting that. Thank but you. here's a really fun bonus, just for fun. You don't need it. True or false? <laughs> Melissa McCarthy and Jenny McCarthy are first cousins. That's for sure true. 
Oh my god, I didn't know that until Neither this moment I. of reading this. <laughs> I didn't even read this. I didn't even read this document before we started. Sorry, I had my survival job driving me nuts. Wow, yes, it's true. Melissa is Jenny's older cousin, and Jenny helps her get her first gig in Hollywood on the Jenny McCarthy sketch show. Amazing. Wait, she had a sketch show? I had no idea. I did not know that. It was on MTV. Look, yeah, I didn't know that. Either. Are, I was like, wow. We're all learning things on this episode. Wow. It's episode 60. Schools for sure. This episode. Like, for real. Important. I agree. I was so nervous about the trivia. I can't even. I, the only thing I'm competitive about in my entire life is like games, like board games, trivia games. So I was really nervous that I was going to let you down. Thank God. I didn't. Well, I want to let you know you got 150%. I don't know. That, that percentage is like not accurate and okay. uh, whatever you got 100 plus the bonus <laughs> thank you Yay. sarah you're amazing thank you so much for coming on i know we've like thanked you so much but this was such like just like you said this was such an important episode and again i want to thank you for being so open i think it's super important um the work you're doing and and your story so thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you can you please let everybody listening know where they can keep up with you or they can follow you on social media. Yeah, I'm Sarah Ann Massey, S-A-R-A-H-A-N-N-M-A-S-S-E on all social media platforms. And then Higher Survivors is Higher Survivors on Twitter and then Higher Survivors Hollywood on Instagram. And our website is HigherSurvivorsHollywood.org. And that's Higher H-I-R-E, just to be clear, because I know it you know, can be confusing. But yeah, we're easy to find. Find us, talk to us. We're here. We're here to connect. Love that. And if you're tuning in to us for the first time because you're a Sarah fan, Jason, you want to take it? I'm going to try. You can follow us. I always forget this. I'm so bad. <laughs> I'm so bad at social media. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Survival Jobs Pod. Instagram, Instagram and Twitter. Instagram and Twitter at Survival Jobs Pod. <laughs> and then on Facebook at Survival Jobs Podcast. Correct. And Yay. shoot and us then- an email. At survivaljobspod at gmail.com. You can follow me at Jason A. Coombs on all the things. And then my girl, Sammy Toots, on Instagram. She doesn't do Twitter, so. I have one. <laughs> I, I There's an active account, but I don't. <laughs> I don't even think I have the app downloaded on my telephone. I'm dead. You're not missing much telephone. anymore. Yeah, it's a mess. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. Okay. Thank you so much, Sarah. And I can't wait to see, we can't wait to see all of your projects and to watch you soar. This was so much fun. Thank you both so much. Yay! Thank Thank you. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E 
www.thepeopleshow.org because only together we rise.